Welcome to the podcast of the United Church of Bogota. We are a Bible-based church ministering to the English-speaking community in Bogota, Colombia. We invite you to join our diverse fellowship as we encounter God in worship and experience the impact of His grace on every part of our lives and in our world. To learn more, please visit our website at ucbogota.org. Good to be with you all this morning and to bring you God's word. It's a heavy week world in the world that we live in. Um, but the good news is it's got us on his throne. And we get to look at him today. To look at who Jesus is. Find comfort there. This morning we're going to be starting a new series. Um, so after, every year we kind of rotate through a number of different series, kind of like to bounce through different parts of the Bible so that over the course of a year or two at our church, you will hopefully get a glimpse of uh, various parts of Scripture and what they teach us about uh, God, Jesus, ourselves. Um, this time we are diving back into the Gospels, and particularly this semester or this two months, more or less, we're going to be looking at the I Am Statements of Jesus, very famous statements from the book of John, where Jesus says who he is. He tells us very clearly who he is. Who someone is changes whether you trust them, whether you listen to them, whether you obey them. It's important who someone is. Like if I were right now to tell you, everyone look under your seats and find the keys to your brand new car you would be like, yeah, right, <laughs> that's, that's, that's ridiculous. You obviously did not buy me a car. However, if we were on the set of the Oprah Winfrey show, and Oprah was up here, and she said, look under your seats to find your brand new car, everyone would immediately look. Why? Because Oprah Winfrey, for those of you who don't know, was a talk show host in uh, maybe the 90s in the U.S. who would regularly give away cars to people on her show. If you don't know anything about her, you probably know you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. Um, you trust Oprah's word because she's the kind of person who gives away cars, right? You would think, oh, there probably are car keys under my seat when Oprah tells me there are car keys under my seat. In order to trust someone, in order to listen to someone, in order to obey someone, it's important to know who that person is. The seven I am statements are Jesus telling us who is he, who he is. And if we take him for his word, which I think that we absolutely should, as we look through these statements, we'll find no one more worthy of our trust, no one more worthy of our ears, no one more worthy of our hearts than Jesus himself. Let's dive into our first passage. We're in John chapter 6. This morning, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. This is verses 25 to 40. If you want to get it there in your Bible as well, we'll be based right here for this morning. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man 
will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Jesus declared, I I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these clear statements of who you are. May we uh, fall more in love with you this morning, long for you, um, see you as um, our ultimate satisfaction. For all this, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So what exactly is Jesus saying about himself here? To help us understand what exactly he is saying, what we're going to do is we're going to look at two points this morning. Uh, First, the craving. In other words, what is it that people are craving, according to this passage, and particularly the people in this passage, the craving. And the second is the satisfaction. Where might satisfaction be found? The craving and the satisfaction. Let's dive into the craving. The people in this passage, the people that we are introduced to at the very beginning of this passage, have a craving. Um, They're looking for Jesus because they want something. Um, So these people, they come up to him, they find him on the other side of the lake, um, and they want something from him. Um, Who are these people, and what do they want? Well, these are the people that have been watching Jesus do a number of miraculous signs, okay? Um, The day before, this same group of people was with Jesus on the opposite side of the Sea of Galilee, um, with him, watching him heal the sick, and then, as you'll see at the beginning of chapter 6, if you have your Bible open, feeding the five thousand. Very famous story of Jesus multiplying loaves in order to feed 5,000 people. And they liked what they saw so much that when Jesus kind of snuck away in the night and went across the lake, they followed him. They got in their own boats, they went across the sea, and found him the next day to try to get something from him. This is what Jesus is talking about. He said, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me. Not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you, are, you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. 
I want that. That's what they're saying. I want that. I want that bread. We had, we had amazing bread. That was amazing. I want more of what Jesus is giving us. I want more of these signs that Jesus has given us. I want more of these miracles. But the problem is the people are wanting more of the sign and not the thing that the sign points to. It's like if you spend all of your free time, all of your energy on Google image search, Googling all the beautiful places in the world that you could potentially go visit. And you just settle there, but you never go and actually visit any of them. Or it's like going to Las Vegas and seeing the small Statue of Liberty they have in Las Vegas and being like, finally, I've seen the Statue of Liberty. My life is complete and not going to New York to see the real thing. Jesus is saying that the miracles that he has been doing, this healing the sick, this feeding the 5,000 that he did, they weren't good enough themselves. They're good as so much as they point to something greater. But the problem is, these people don't want the greater thing. They want the signs, and they think that the signs themselves are going to satisfy them. Like the people, we have a craving. Every single one of us has a craving in our hearts, right? We all have something that we long for. We've all experienced that emptiness in part of our hearts that we're looking to something or someone to fulfill. To help us kind of think through what kind of cravings we have as humans, I came up with an incomplete list, but listen to these and see if there's any of these that you particularly find true of yourself. What are you craving the most? Are you craving love? You really are desperate to have someone who knows you deeply and loves you. You really want someone, just, you just want to feel loved. You want to feel like someone cares deeply about you. Maybe you want to feel significant, like you're worthy of importance or worthy of attention. You want to feel like you're worth something. You want to feel joy. Maybe you, you really want excitement or experiences or, or just that feeling of happiness that you long for. So you look for it in all different kinds of places. Maybe you want security. Maybe you want to just feel like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Things are okay. Nothing bad's going to happen. I'm protected from harm, at least for the most part. Maybe you want to feel like you have meaning. There's a purpose to your life. There's something useful about what you do. Maybe you're wanting to feel purposeful. Maybe you just want peace. You're so tired of the conflict around you with your brokenness in your relationships, and you just want peace harmony. What is it you crave? What is it I crave? Now ask yourself, as you crave these things, what is the thing you most often go to in order to find satisfaction for that craving? Okay, you've identified your craving. Where do you go to get it? Is it relationships with other people? You really want romantic relationships to satisfy one of these longings or multiple, or you want uh, uh, friendships that those are going to solve your longings. Um, relationships to your family or your, your children, those are going to satisfy your longings. Maybe it's uh, experiences. You really want to have these exciting experiences that will give you 
that feeling you have been looking for. Maybe it's success. If you have success, that'll give you the significance or the security that you're looking for. Maybe it's just feeling productive on a daily or weekly basis. Maybe it's approval of others. Maybe it's prestige. Maybe it's money. Money will give you that security or joy you're looking for. Stuff. Sex. What is it? What are the things you go to? Now, I'm not condemning these things because every single thing I mentioned just now is actually not a bad thing. It's not bad to be successful. Sex is good in its right and good place. Relationships are beautiful. These are all good things. The problem is when these good things become ultimate things. They, put, they become the thing that we are going to find our ultimate satisfaction in. They all have a proper place, but that proper place is not ultimate. They are merely signs pointing to something greater. And the other problem with these signs, these, 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 these things we go to, is that they're not permanent. They do not satisfy you ultimately. Every single thing I mentioned is something that can go away at any moment. It's also something that will not give you full satisfaction. It will not complete you. You know, like Jerry Maguire, you complete me. That's, 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 that's not real. Nobody completes you. No other human being, broken human being, completes you. Just look at these signs that Jesus was doing. They weren't, fulfill, they weren't ultimate. He healed people. That's amazing. I've never seen that, like the amazingness of Jesus just healing this person, then that person, blind person sees, and then this person walks, and then this person recovers from some crazy disease, and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of these healings. Well, guess what? Every single person that Jesus healed on that day is dead now. Every single one. It wasn't permanent. It was beautiful, but it was not permanent. Same thing, feeding the 5,000. He fed all of these people so much so that they had so much food that it was overwhelming amounts of baskets left over. Amazingly beautiful. Everyone ate as much as they wanted. But they were still hungry. Has anyone ever been to an all-you-can-eat buffet? Um, they're not a huge thing here. They might have them, but they're not really a thing in Colombia. But in the, in the States, we have all-you-can-eat buffets everywhere. You pay your $10 and you literally can stuff your face with as many plates full of food as you want. And you can even leave the buffet feeling so like lethargic and gross and full and you've eaten so much. Here's the thing. Even when you eat that much, four hours later, you're hungry again. That's the crazy thing. You're always, it's never going to satisfy. You're always hungry again with anything we seek to be the ultimate any of those things that we seek to be the ultimate satisfaction for our longings, they will leave us feeling empty and hungry again. It will not satisfy. And Jesus says, do not work for food that spoils. Do not work for food that is going to, uh, that cannot satisfy you. Do not try to gain things. Do not put your heart and all of your energy and your, all your drive into gaining the things that will not ultimately satisfy you. But instead, let these good things be signs of something greater. Let them point our heart towards something that can satisfy us, that can bring us, bring hope to the longings we have. And so the question is, what is it that will satisfy us? 
What? Where is the satisfaction to our cravings found? What do these good things, but not ultimate things, point to? Well, let's look at this sign of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Okay? What is this a sign of? In this miracle, what does he do? He multiplies these five loaves so that they feed maybe as many as 10,000 people after 5,000 of them was just the number of the men. So tons of people. feeds all these people with five loaves of bread. So much so that there's baskets upon baskets left after the meal. Amazingly beautiful sign. But what is Jesus pointing to? Jesus did not want the people to focus on the bread, and look how amazing this bread is. He wanted them to see himself. To see himself as the one who satisfies longings. And doesn't just satisfy longings, he satisfies them in abundance. We see a God, we see a Savior who can who sees the needs of the people, cares about them, and meets them far greater than they could ever imagine. That's what he spells out clearly in verse 35. He wanted them to not see the bread, but he wanted to see that he is the bread. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never thirst, never be thirsty. Think about the list I made earlier. Jesus is saying that he is the satisfaction to all of those things that we long for. If you long to be loved, it is in Jesus that you find perfect love, the kind of love that knows you, knows the deepest, darkest parts of your life, and still chooses to love you so much so that he will die for you, that he did die for you. You want to be significant. Jesus is the one who looks down and says, you know what? No one else might think you're important, but I lift you up with dignity, and I say, you are incredibly important to me. If you're looking for joy, he is the one that can give joy, even in circumstances that are not good. You can find joy in Jesus even when you are suffering or struggling. If you're looking for security, there is no safer place than in the arms of Jesus, the one who holds you, and no one can snatch you out of his hand. If you're looking for meaning, he is the one who gives you a purpose, invites you into what he is doing in this world, invites you to be a part of his mission of restoring the world, his agents of reconciliation here on earth. If you want peace, he is the one who gives us ultimate peace, bringing harmony with our relationship with God and promising a future when relationships will work the way they're supposed to when he returns, when all things are new. And here's the thing. Satisfaction to truly and ultimately be satisfying has to be permanent. And that is what Jesus is offering us. He's offering us permanent, never-ending satisfaction. The reason we can know that what he is offering us has permanence is because he is the one who offers it. It's based on what he says about himself, who he is, what he has done. It's not based on who I am and what I have done is based on Jesus' work, not on our work. Now you might say there's a part of of the passage here which says uh, there is a work that we as humans have to do in order to uh, get this bread. Jesus says the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. We are to believe. 
But just before we can get too proud of ourselves for how awesome we are for believing in Jesus, Jesus says something else. He says, I am the bread of life. And then he goes into verse 37. All those the Father gives me will come to me. He says it again in verse 44, if you jump down farther on. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. What does that mean? That means that even when we have faith in Jesus, even when we believe in him, we cannot take credit for being such good believers. We actually have to be thankful to God for being the one who drew us to himself, the one who opened our eyes to be able to see him and to give him praise and to see him as the satisfaction that we have been longing for. And then he continues in verses 38 to 40. He says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all, uh, I lost some place, and I should lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. I shall lose none of all the Father has given me. What he's saying is that Jesus, if you are in Christ, he will never let you go. My second son, Thomas, is almost three years old, and uh, one of my favorite things he says is he regularly, when he's sad or he's having a hard time, or he just is tired or moody just all the time. He comes up to me and says, Daddy, hold you. Hold you, Daddy. Now, what he's actually saying is, he's saying, I want you to hold me. He's saying, I want to hold you, Daddy. But to be honest, there's no holding. He's not holding me at all. What he's actually asking for is I will pick him up and hold him in my arms. This is what it's like with Jesus. Yeah, sure, we go to Jesus and we say, Lord, Jesus, I, want, I love you, I want to hold you, I want, you, I want to, um, to be close to you, but really Jesus is the one holding us. He is holding on to us. It's not based on us and what we do and our great faith in holding on to Jesus. Jesus is based on Jesus' commitment and faithfulness to us, holding on to us to us and his arms will never let us go he shall lose none of all the father has given him but it isn't just based on who he is but it's also based on what he has actually done we don't just base it on his words and take his word for it but we actually look at his actions to see what he has done and even this even what he has done is present in this feeding of the 5,000. If you were to go back and read this story about Jesus feeding the 5,000, at the very beginning of the passage, John lets us know one very important detail. He says to us, this happened right around Passover. Why would John give us this detail? And what is Passover? Passover is a Jewish festival. One of the main symbols of Passover would have been bread bread, the bread that symbolized the bread the Israelites ate right before God miraculously delivered them from Egypt, right before God miraculously got them out of slavery. You see, what they're actually, 
but also the bread that, so when Jesus is feeding the 5,000, this bread would have immediately gone to the minds of the Israelites and they would have thought, oh, they would have connected it with Passover. Why is it called Passover? Well, Passover was all about how if the Israelites in Egypt would spread the blood of the lamb on their doorpost, when the angel of judgment, the angel of death came and went into Egypt and passed through the houses, he would pass over the houses that had the blood of the lamb on their door, the blood of the sacrificial lamb on their door. So the Egyptians that night lost many of their firstborn sons, but the Israelites were passed over, therefore Passover. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, he is actually demonstrating to the people that he's trying to say to them through his sign, I am the fulfillment, the ultimate fulfillment of the Passover. He is actually, as he is giving them the symbol of life, food is a symbol of life because we all need it to, to live. Even as he's giving out this symbol of life to the people, he's alluding to the fact that he is the lamb who is slain. He's alluding to his coming death, the death that he will pay in order to unite people to him, in order to be able to become the satisfaction for their guilt and sin in the eyes of God, but also the satisfaction of all the things that they long for. In his death, Jesus finally and ultimately becomes our satisfaction. He puts his money where his mouth is. Now, if you were on the, if you were, if Oprah were to tell you you were going to get a car, one of the reasons you would believe her is because of how many times previously she has given cars to people. It's because of what she has done in the past that you're going to trust what she's going to do in the future. The same is true of God, of Jesus. Because we look at his death, because we look at the lengths to which he was, able, he was willing to go in order to meet our needs, in order to become life for us, we can trust him when he says that he is the bread of life that he will bring our satisfaction. We don't have to just take his word for it. We can look at his actions to see what kind of person he is. So here's the challenge that I want to leave us with this morning, a little bit of application. The application is this, to go to Jesus and to look to him for your satisfaction. You guys might know or have heard the name Pavlov. Pavlov is a scientist who studied behavior, um, and how you can modify behavior, particularly of dogs. See, Pavlov's dog, you've probably heard of him. And so Pavlov, what he would do is he would ring a bell. And every time he rang a bell, he would feed the dogs. Ring the bell, feed the dogs. Ring the bell, feed the dogs. So much so that one day he decided, I'm just going to ring the bell. And you know what? Even without providing the food, the dogs already started salivating longing for that food. Here's what I want to encourage us to do. When we experience in our hearts, in our emotions, in our bodies, this longing, these longings for whatever it is you long for, let that be a little bell. Let that be a little notifier showing you, okay, notice that your heart is longing for something. And use that as a bell to salivate instead of for whatever it is you immediately would think would satisfy you, to go to the Lord and say, Lord, 
How do you want to satisfy my longings? How do you satisfy my longings? Go to the Lord and ask him to be enough for you. And sometimes Jesus does give you gifts. He does give you things that you need, physical signs of his goodness. And when he does give you those things, make that be another bell. Ding, ding, ding. Saying, I need to not get enamored by this thing he has given me, but let me use this as an opportunity to go to the Lord and thank him for his beautiful gift and to remember the one that the sign points to. Let the good gifts we receive be reminders to go to him in thankfulness. He is our ultimate satisfaction. Here's the good news, too. In verse 40, he says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. As Christians, we get to look forward to that last day, that day when Jesus returns again and makes all things new. He institutes peace on earth. And on that day, he promises a feast. There's a feast. I don't think that's a, that's a coincidence that he uses that imagery of a feast. Because in that feast, we will experience in full the satisfaction to our hunger. The satisfaction to our longings because we will be permanently and, and tangibly in the presence of Jesus Christ. That's what we look forward to as Christians. We look forward to, we, right now, we look to Jesus to be our bread. And we look forward to that day when he fully satisfies us. We get to experience in full. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you are the bread of life. Thank you so much that you, um, that you do satisfy our longings, our every longing. Lord, may um, we look to you to satisfy them. May we see beautiful things you've given us as a gift. May we appreciate them for what they are. But Lord, keep our hearts from settling on those as ultimate things. But cause our hearts to quickly go to you. Ask you how you might satisfy our longings. How you have satisfied our longings. And how you will one day fully satisfy them. For all this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to support the ministry of UCB, please visit our website at ucbogota.org.